Are you ready to scale? Why not invest three minutes in our scalability index? It's quick, it's easy, and it's got specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com slash scale. Welcome to another Genius at Scale. Today's guest is Aaron Shum. Aaron, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, so a little bit about myself. I'm the founder and CEO of a business called Vestwell, uh, based here in New York City. Uh, we are the underlying infrastructure architecture to power workplace and individual savings programs. Uh, I've been in the fintech space for over 20 years now, um, dating myself, feeling a little bit older every day. But uh, but the experience has been great, and, and it's been exciting to see the evolution across just technology in general. That's great. Well, welcome. We're, we're thrilled to have you. Uh, so obviously you've been in the fintech space, you've been an entrepreneur, you're a CEO, you're a founder. Um, do you have a way that you define or measure scale? Like what metric do you use? Yeah, um, it's a good question. It's a very good question uh, because it takes many forms, right? Yeah, it can take a aspect. lot of forms. Yeah. Yeah, and I've um, been fortunate enough to, to have co-founded another business before this in the fintech space um, when I was uh, definitely younger, earlier in my career, learned a lot, learned a lot of what to do, also learned a lot of what not to do, uh, which plays you know as much or if not even more important role uh, as you're building and scaling businesses. But I think at each stage, Ultimately, you're, you're looking at, at different union economics right across the business um, to start to measure how scale actually persists and in, in, in is running sustainably across the, the overall business. Um, you know, early days, it's about, you know, it's less about scale. It's more about finding the fit, right? The product market fit. And right. then after you get a point, get to a point, you get traction. It's figuring out, okay, where are the gaps in the end in the end to end process? And you're never going to solve it, right? But it's looking, you know, we're looking at things like, you know, payback ratios, the typical LTV to CAC in some scenarios, which maybe is not as applicable to our businesses as it is um, in in many others. Um, you're looking at revenue per person um, per per FTE and kind of all of those metrics that you start to kind of drill down over time, and they change, right? As you you're refining your, you know, the business may evolve it, you know, certain metrics may not be as relevant going forward, but ultimately you have to decide what's most important to the business at this particular moment. What is that level of scale that you're comfortable with that, you know, living in, and then how do you continue to evolve and turn those dials from there? So, you know, I think we, we're actually, you know, series C, you know, be doing our series D at some point, I feel like only now are we really starting to truly optimize for scale as we look out uh, into the future of the business. Yeah. So you, it's, it's, it's interesting. You, you mentioned like revenue per client or revenue per, per customer. Is that at all tied to the number of products per, per customer? Or do you track that as a scale for, or a metric for scale? So uh, a little bit tied to the products. I think more generally, we look at it for how much, how many FTEs do you need per X thousand dollars of revenue that's okay. coming in the door, right? And then mapping it in that regard and then benchmarking against what is the cost, the average cost of those FTEs, right? In the particular roles, right? Okay. And you basically, you know, you're looking at, okay, ultimately what you're tying it back to is, is this business going to be profitable and sustainable, 
right over time versus just continuing to deploy capital to try to create some some top line growth which has never really been our our approach to this to this business um and just looking at okay how do we actually handle the business coming on make enough money to make it sustainable and making sure you're you're expanding those gross margins over time right so you're you're tracking gross margins or, or net profit much more closely than top line revenue yeah, I think you ha you have to, right? Ultimately, it, it you, there are some businesses that don't. Some um, that don't. Software never does. Yeah, just some spend, that don't. Spend, 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 spend. Yeah, this is a little bit of I, I don't know if it's because I I you know started my career in the financial services industry, or if it's a product of being in you know New York where you're surrounded by a lot of financial institutions right. and kind of and the mindset and the, and then the folks we cater to, right? So a lot of our our clients and our partners are large financial institutions. Um, so there's a high level of scrutiny on the sure. overall cost of the business and the gross margin, but we are building a business that's highly complex, right? It's an expensive thing to build. It's not, um, you, you can't, you know, the, cut your nose to spite your face, you know, understanding that the breadth and the reach that you're trying to have in the overall offering. Yeah. Um, so that, but there, there's a, there, there's a, you know, a cadence or a ratio that you have to work within to make sure that you don't get over your skis. And if you're just focused on spending for growth or for revenue, at some point, the rest of it's going to come up and it's going to catch up with you. Like yep. the markets are going to turn like now, or, you know, the, your investors aren't going to be supportive anymore, or, or, you know, the client base is going to be there, whatever it is, right? You just got to make sure that you're building the business with the right components in place. Otherwise, it, it, it will it will hit you when you don't want to. Oh, that's great. Well, you and I were talking off camera a little bit about... Um the effects of COVID on your business, and it actually was a net benefit. How much does what I'll call good fortune, which could include good timing, how much does that come into play when companies in their historical review of, wow, we, we, we got to a scaling moment or a, a scaling level, how much does good fortune or good timing play in that it does have a it does have a weight right i i can't say this is all me and you know my foresight to go execute it and great ah, go ahead and say that you can <laughs> but it's it's um you know there's a time and a place for everything right yeah. just as every every aspect of our lives right so, and so how did covid benefit you so covid benefited us in in the manner that there was a lot of interest in what we we're doing and how we we're doing it. And when I say that, I mean, delivering a solution that was tech driven, you know, built in a modern era, you know, cloud-based, blah, 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 all the things you would, you would, you know, Simple you know, to use all that. Yeah. All the things you associate with software nowadays. Right. Yeah. But we're also in a very mature, highly regulated industry. Right. And yeah. you're looking at a 40 plus year old industry that people are like, well, this is the way I've always done it. And now with the new folks showing up and saying, well, this is the way the world's going, get on board. There's an interest in, um, in the allure to it, but people don't want to necessarily be the first to jump in, right? And, right. and who's the one that's to say, yeah, that's where we're going to go. We're, we're fully committed to that. So when COVID hit and everyone was forced to go remote, remote was forced to be digital, all of a sudden they, they had to jump in, right? And right. people said, well, how... How else am I going to engage? I can't go sit in a prospective client's office. I can't go sit down with employees of a business. You know, so all of a sudden that dynamic changed, yeah, and then yeah. we became one of the few players in the industry that could actually do this. Oh, got it. So you were, you were playing for a market that kind of came to you. Came to us. I mean, it was going to happen regardless. Yeah, it was, was going to. Yeah, 
it was just an accelerated moment where it said, okay, we got to go. We're going to do this now. Um, And and we don't really have a choice. Otherwise they were going to start losing, losing business and and revenue. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's fabulous. So uh, you you had mentioned that uh, you've paid some, paid some dues. I mean, you've, you've done this before and and it's never only been uh, smooth sailing. I'm curious, you hear entrepreneurs narratives about, well, here's our, here's our success story. I'm always more interested in what are the, you know, what are the big, the big lessons you learned or the big uh, thunk in the head that you took where you paid a pretty high price, but it really propelled you forward. Do you have a, do you have an experience that, um, that you could share that was uh, what I'll call a lesson learned of like a, a heady lesson learned and what was the, and I'm curious what the tuition was you had to pay to learn it. Yeah. I have many of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, so you're a, yeah. You're a yeah. lifelong learner. That's good. You're a lifelong learner. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Every day, every day you learn something. Um, I think, you know, on the whole, one, one of the a couple of key things, you know, that I've learned is um, it will never be perfect. Right you strive for perfection in building these things? You strive for just nailing every deliverable all the time. You get, you know, really high hit rate, a high success rate with it, but it is not a linear path, right? And you talk with with all of these entrepreneurs and, and being one yourself, right? You know, it's not linear, right? There's ups and downs, roller coaster, right? I, I kind of joke with our team, like you could have your best day and your worst day on the same day, two hours apart, right? Good. And, and you know all of these things just happen, and you kind of have to just take that in a in and be okay with it, right? You can be uncomfortable with it, but but be okay with how your level of uncomfortable uncomfortability, and knowing when to let some fires burn, right? And it, there was a lot of times, especially earlier in my last business specifically, where if there was a fire, you just wanted to pounce on it immediately, and, and not say that that initial gut reaction hasn't changed, but there's times where you know the gravity of that fire and like what else could really burn from it. And you just kind of like, eh, I'm just going to let it burn that itself one. out. Yeah. yeah. It'll, it'll go out. Right. And, or, or I'll just address it later. It's pretty contained right now. Yeah. Right. And so that's probably one of the things that I've, you know, the, the biggest lesson I've learned because then what it comes back to is it'll, it allows you to really focus on the things that you need to, to get down that strategic path that you're heading. And when you you start to deviate or you get distracted, and as you know, right, it's very easy to get distracted with with as you're building these businesses, right? Or there's an allure of something, right? Um, That piece has really that changes all the time, right? And you have to learn when to say no, right? It's super easy in as you're building these businesses, especially we do a lot of large enterprise, you know, uh, delivery, right? So we have very large financial institutions and state governments and payroll companies and whatnot that we're engaging with. And there's sometimes they ask you to do things. You're like, ah, that's really cool. I like that, but I can't. Right. And you, and it, because you know, if you do, then it's like, it's not who you are. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not who you are or it's not who you want to be. Got it. Right. In the long run, it might, it might help this one, you know, this one business or this one partner, 
But in the long run, is it repeatable? Is it something you want to continue to do? Yeah. And those are the things I've learned, right? And then you got to think about the contract structures you put in place, right? All of these things are all tied together, right? And all of a sudden, you're on the hook for some deliverable that you're like, oh, man, why do we say yes to that, right? Um, and you just, you know, so just staying focused and being true to yourself and the identity of, of who you are, who you want to be, and, and to continue to progress in that fashion is really important. And then making sure your clients come along for that versus just trying to appease them by whatever, you know, ask or request they may have. No, I love that. I, I'm curious, how do you differentiate between saying that's not, that's not in the lane we're playing in and how do you uh see an opportunity or one's presented to you perhaps by a client that's not necessarily in the market you're addressing but you say we want to why not us how, how do you how do you say yes to some and and no to others what's is there a formula or a, a decision making matrix or does a team vote on that or how do you figure that out so it's a great question um, it's hard at times, right? I, I imagine because they look, they're going to look equally as attractive, maybe. Yeah. And, and you kind of have to play out all the scenarios, right? And say, okay, if we do this, what's the trade off, right? Mm -hmm. What are we missing out on? What, what does this not get us that we would do otherwise? Where would we allocate these, the time, resources, dollars? Right. What does know? it cost? Yeah. Yeah. And what, and we're doing, and, and two times, like the, the timing of it is, is critical, right? I, there's been businesses, there's a, there's a deal we're working on now that I'm still not convinced I want to do, right? I'm going to let it play out and see right. where it goes and, and you know, kind of where the opportunity takes takes us. But we're also kind of working it into our world where almost like a consultative type sale, right? It's like, in a lot of, you know, what it comes down to um, probably more specifically to answer your question is just continuing to drill into why someone wants something a certain way. And then that allows you to see if you're philosophically aligned on what the solution or the outcome would be. And, and to keep pressing on that then creates this alignment where like, hey, this is something I want to do for this group right over here because we're aligned. We understand where the, the long game we're all playing together versus someone else that just says, yeah, I just want this to, you know, for whatever reason that doesn't really play out to the grander vision of what you're trying to accomplish within the business. Mm. It's it's a it's a great way to to see it because you're right. I I can imagine the rabbit holes are everywhere, and you, oh, you, you yeah, and you can get absorbed in meeting after meeting with the folks, right? And you you know, and I going back to formalize, right? They're we're sitting in these you know one of our largest clients, and someone just kept pressing on like the way a certain workflow went like a button right on, on our platform and you're just like why right why, like, yeah. like what does this matter like who can that's a 10 cent right? issue yeah leave it in <clears throat> and and once you're able to suss that out of people then usually you can collectively come to a better solution overall that may that fits with the strategic direction of the business as well as the pieces of your clients request yeah no that's great that's great so you'd mentioned there's it, it scaling looks different at different at different points in the business at, at first you're just trying to figure out you know can we build a viable product and then you say is there is there a fit for the market is there a market here how big it and you you progress down that is there a is there typically in your experience been an inflection point or a critical episode or a point where the hockey stick really you know where, where all of a sudden the growth goes up because you say ah, we finally hit that sweet spot is there such a thing or is that is that uh mythical no, there is. There is such a thing. At least I, I've been fortunate enough to live it a couple of times, right? 
Um, and what I tie it to is specifically as it pertains to our business, right? And working through large enterprise type contracts, you know, there, there's the typical venture back startup mentality or, or business case where it's like, hey, just pour a bunch of fuel on it, just build up some traction, right? Rinse, repeat, yep. go as fast as you can. Maybe because probably because it's something that I don't really understand that model. I've never lived that model. I've never gone after that model. I'm not saying it's not a it's not a viable model. Right. It's just right. not not what I I've experienced doing. So I've been more probably more of a glutton for punishment in many ways, where it's it's establishing these long term large scale enterprise partners that are very um, opaque to understand from the outside. Right, but once you're inside and you 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 know how to navigate those those environments and those ecosystems, and you can establish footing within them, it takes a while. But once you do it, and you do it well. The velocity just builds on itself. The momentum continues, right, without having to pour a bunch of dollars on top of it to make sure it continues to sustain itself. And when you do that, and especially you, you got to do it successfully. Sure. And when you do it successfully across a business or two or large enterprises, your reputation spreads like wildfire, right? And people, and then everyone wants to follow that same model because like, wow, I didn't realize this was a thing. I didn't realize I could do this. Now I can do this. So I have, you know, you have to find investors who understand that and are supportive of that, right? Yep. And saying, hey, we're taking in the long road. It's the right road. It is not going to be the obvious road. But once people find out what it is, right, it's too late for any other, you know, you know, quote unquote competitor to catch up. They can't, they can't rapidly catch up. You can't, right? Yep. So it gets you, you get out in front and then you're just going. And we're, you know, fortunate kind of at that stage now, right? I, I even had people, you know, my own employees at times question like, why would we do that? I'm like, just watch, right? Just watch. And and sure enough, you know, and, and you know, like I said, a lot of this just comes from my experience in living um, through these things. And trust me, there's been a lot of heartache and and uh, and challenges along the way. Sure, but sure. you know, but you, again, learning from mistakes, you you don't repeat those, and you do it you do it better and better. And um and then then all of a sudden you can sit back and look and and you smile for a minute. You're like, ah, we did it, right? And and still a lot of work to do and endless work. But but you, you, now you've reached that kind of escape velocity, if you will. No, it's, it's great. Um, I know we've talked about, you know, being a mission driven company and I know you, your Vestwell is a mission driven company. How has, how has having a clear and compelling mission helped you like in hiring or in retention of talent or in, even with customers where they say, we like what you stand for? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, Personally, and I don't know if it's just me or generational, I probably underestimated the impact that had. Um, for me, it was like, hey, I'm just solving a problem to help people, right? <laughs> like that, that, this, is your, this is your commercial mission you're talking about. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And it was just like, that. that's just me. Like, right, I'm mind. just fixing the problem. I'm just, yeah, I'm patching the roof. Yeah. Yeah. Passing the roof is going to help people. People aren't going to get wet. Right. right. And, and, you know, and now that, that was a bit of the mentality. Um, and then as we continue to kind of build on that, and I had a, you know, built a really great team and have a lot of uh, awesome folks around me, you know, and especially to like you, you're, you're head of people and, and, um, and you get really, if you get that really uh, sound foundation and built into your culture from the beginning, it just completely reshapes how you engage every day. 
And that message is very clear, regardless of who you are and, and where you are within the organization itself or outside, right? Everyone knows that here's the North Star we're focused on mm -hmm. and just keep focused there. Everything else will, will somehow tie back to that, right? And I think that keeps people more closely aligned. Um, I think when you're hiring people, hiring talent, I can't tell you, I probably get, I don't know, five, 10 CVs a day, just reaching out to me directly. Just be like, hey, I see you guys. I love what you're doing. I love what the mission you're trying to, you know, what you're building this business for. And I just want to be a part of it, right? And that that's great, right? That's awesome to have. And um, but I, I can't say it was like fully thought out. Like at the beginning, I was like, Hey, this is going to be a mission driven company. It was just like, no, I just want to solve this problem and help some people. You know, I, I love what you say, but you know, like it's an attractional force. I'm curious because you'd never get the email. Uh, but I'm curious, are there, uh, uh, an equal number or, uh, or maybe not an equal number, maybe twice as many that say, I will, I wouldn't, I would never work at a company like that. Like, is it designed to repel the wrong person as well? I get it. I get it. It can yeah. be an attractional device, but is it designed to weed people out before they even apply and say, yeah, if you don't want to do that, please don't come here because you'll wreck it for everybody. Uh, to a degree, yes. I would, you know, I think there are elements where you want everyone rowing in the right direction, right? Mm -hmm. And and I don't, you know, it's not like, hey, we all got to drink the Kool-Aid and, you know, and sing together but it's like hey we just got to know what we're we're setting ourselves up to do and what we're trying to accomplish as the business and you do you know you'll over time you'll hire people where you're just like ah, they're just not seeing this right or they're just not really engaging to the same aptitude as others or, or it's just a job to have a job right and it's like yeah we could all have a job to have a job but like you know i'll even tell people directly like you know i'll help you find something else like, like this is in the right place. Like, let's yeah. all, you know, you want to enjoy everyone you're working with. And otherwise it just, it does have that, um, you know, it's a, the saying like, like the poison, the well, right. You just don't want that. Right. It, it, it creates a lot of unnecessary friction around the team. It just, it, it doesn't benefit anyone. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I, I could see that and, and weeding them out before they get there is probably, the, <laughs> if you can, it's the best way to do it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so I'm curious then, I asked this of a lot of CEOs, you're now, you know, you, you guys are crushing it, which is great. How much of that, um, if it were on a scale, one end is 100% talent and the other is 100% culture, where do you guys fall on the scale? Because it's always a combination in some form of both. Is it, did you guys, you know, get the badass talent uh, as the key component or did you build the culture and the talent followed the culture? So I think we we started with some talent, um, made some great hires. Um, talent changes, right? Just culture changes a little bit too, but the the talent, the talent will change over time depending on where you are scale wise, right. you know, business, sure. all of that, right? Um, so we had some we had, you know, had really solid team members, many are still with us. We have an incredible team now. Right as we've continued to grow and been in, and our profile has been elevated, which has brought in great people. But in its early days, the early days of the business, you know, I'm not a person. I'm not really a big uh, culture, you know, hoorah person in many ways. Right? It's just like I'm just going, um, and it's probably more the 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 competitive side of me of, of how I want to go after things. But we, a lot of our team, kind of, I just put it on other people and said, "Hey, you guys want to do this? You guys build the culture, right? I'm going to support it." 
Right. But I want you, you know, I'll be there, uh, you know, we'll help pull all this together, but I want you to think about how you want this culture to be within the business. And that has continued to sustain itself and grow and elevate. And one of the, the I think one of the best things, and I hear this all the time from um, from new hires, right? Every, every time we bring in a new class of, uh, we bring in a new class of hires every every two weeks. And I I do a meeting with them and and kind of, you know, talk about, you know, the business and what they're concerned about, what they want, what their feedback has been thus far. And the, 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 one of the consistent things I always hear back is that everyone here just wants to help each other. Right. And which is great, especially in a remote world, right. When people are, you know, we're, we're remote first still, even though we have, you know, our main headquarters in New York, another big office in Austin, Texas. Um, but still there's a lot of people that are remote. And when you're dealing with in these myopic kind of Slack channels, right. Yeah. It's you don't get to see across the rest of the business. But once you right. do and you're able to kind of reach out a little bit, the everyone just swarms problems together, which I love. Right. And then that culture has persisted and created upon itself this this kind of mindset that you're not alone in doing these things like you're empowered to go change. You're empowered to drive it. You're you're you know, you can be create accountability around that, but you don't have to do it alone. And everyone's going to help you. And that's just kind of that's helped manifest itself in like this recruiting aspect where people are like, hey, I know this awesome person over at wherever I used to work. Let's get them over here, whatever it is. Right. Not violating any solicitation agreements or anything like that, of course. No, but, of course you're not. No, no way. But but, you know, like th those things, um, those kind of just build on each other. Right. And and then you, like the team now is just it's awesome. Like I, I, I've had the, the kind of like proud dad moment, right. Where you sit back, you're like, yes, like they, that's my baby all grown yeah, up. They, yeah. They've gotten there. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's great. And then you just hope that continues to, to build on itself. It's uh, it's funny that uh, I've always considered culture as an outcome rather than a catalyst, but uh, one of the healthiest measures of a culture is that employees refer people they know to come to work there. Cause a lot of people say, Oh God, I hate my job. I would never wish this company or whatnot on my worst enemy, let alone a friend. There's a ton of companies like that. Nobody says that because you get fired for it. But to, for people to say, oh no, no, no. I used to work at this other company and this was, this was, they were um, unbelievable. Yeah, I'll talk to them. I'll see if we can get them. And you go, that's great. <laughs> that's a really healthy culture when people are bragging about their teammates and their, their colleagues and their, and their, uh, their work environment. That's, that's uh, good for it's, you. Congratulations. That's a, that's a great thing. Thank you. Yeah, no, it, it, it goes along. We had everyone in New York this summer. Uh, everyone flew in and did like a week on site, you know, cross team pollination and like, you know, learning about other, what other folks are doing. And it was so fun. And then, you know, we went out for drinks and had a little party and uh, it, some of our like clients and investors were there and they were just like, wow, they're like, everyone here is genuinely happy <laughs> like yeah. like enjoying being there it's not like oh right. i'm at this office party and blah 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 like, like it was like no oh, let's all you know it's really awesome and, right. and so much came out of that right that um just just you know building additional scale and efficiencies and just learning from each other and then humanizing everyone else that you don't get to see every day right, right. and you're just talking via zoom or slack or whatever so um those things all just just have so much weight that they carry forth in the rest of the business well especially because you know you're you're your baseline product is 401ks. It's not like people get out of bed every day and say, that's the most interesting, fascinating subject to talk about. It's like, okay, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a necessary thing and it's a cool tool, but it's not like people say, 
wow, do you see all these tech improvements in 401ks now? They're, it's it's amazing what they've done. You say, it's been a vehicle for a long time. It's It's been around. What you guys are doing with it and people are having fun with it and enjoying it and being uh, the idea of, of them being innovative and playful and creative in that space is, again, it's just a, it's a hallmark to the fact that your culture is really um, uh, healthy and vibrant. No, yeah, no, thank you. It's a, I, I ask the same thing, like when I interview people now, even, um, I don't do it as much as I used to, but um, when I'm talking with folks, I'm like, why do you want to be in retirement, right? Like, <laughs> this is, right? And, and you know, it, it's funny to kind of see that that all play out and people are like, well, I just want, you know, I like the mission. I want to help people. And it's, yeah, it's not a sexy business, right? No, it's, it's, not, not, it's a useful you know, and necessary business, but it's not a sexy business. Yeah. yeah and, you, and you have to also like, and you have to have thick skin too. Like I, I tell people all the time, like it is incredibly rare for a client, a partner, a user to tell you how great of a job you're doing. They're going to tell you when you screw up. Sure, you'll get that right? very quickly. Yeah. You get that quickly, but you gotta you gotta have thick skin and be able to continue to grow and learn from that and and and, and almost appreciate it and kind of you know like run towards that versus right. like oh this person's just gonna yell at me right now right, right. <laughs> which which no I know it's coming right? it's just yeah let me yeah. brace myself yeah yeah and and you know and and if you're okay with that like you're gonna you can have a lot of fun with it and and understand you're having a bigger impact no that's great that's great all right last question it's a fun question we ask all our guests. Um, there was a version of you in junior high. We picked junior, junior high on, on purpose because no person ever has said, oh, my braces and pimples were great in seventh grade. I mean, so, so but there was a there was a version of you in seventh grade. Would we be able to draw a straight line from that version to you at you today? Like walk us through that. T tell us tell us who you were in seventh grade that was a, a leading indicator or a, uh, maybe it was a full transformation. Maybe it was a. a uh, a, a complete do-over, but who were you in seventh grade that would, or eighth grade that would have said, oh yeah, of course, that's, he, he's going to grow up to be this guy. Oh, uh, well, I, I had great hair. Did you? <laughs> I, mean, uh, I don't I, know, great hair. I had hair. A little, a little okay, bit. good. Yeah. <laughs> it was an improvement, right? Uh, uh, yeah, it's good it's, to have hair in seventh grade. That's <laughs> <laughs> a helpful thing. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> it would have been a little weird otherwise. Um, but but then, I, so this is kind of who I was. And I, I've never really mapped it, right? I was kind of the the dorky athlete, right? So I was in, in sports, um, <laughs> usually the captain, co-captain, you know, one of the leaders of the team. Um, and... But I was not like your prototypical kind of athlete, right? You weren't and dumb jock athlete. I wasn't dumb jock athlete, thankfully. Um, I, I, you know, was in all the honors classes and everything. I was, you know, near the top of the class, um, which gave me the ability and kind of the the natural reach to go across all the clicks you would have in school. Oh, got it. Right, you transcend. So I, I kind of, I kind of, you know, hung out and mixed and matched with everyone. Um, and I wasn't like, oh yeah, here's all my jock friends, right? And these are all the people, or here's all my, you know, whatever friends. It was just kind of like, I was kind of everywhere, like kind of floating. So you didn't have to apologize to one group for being seen with another group. Not yeah. at all. Right? You, could just, I was, you could just move, mix and match. Yeah. The, the, the lunch table, I would kind of, you know, float around, right? Like, yeah. who do I feel like hanging out with today? Um, and I never really got judged for it. it no, just, you didn't get penalized for that. 
Yeah, maybe felt it in some regard because you know I wasn't like, oh, this is this is your group and you have like these best friends. I was always kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like all these people are going to come and go in life, right? Um, so I was never really tied. So I think that gave me uh, the ability to kind of read other people, right? And and other you know other mindsets and and you know I, I think we say I think I'm pretty good at that. Like when I'm working with people either in our in, in our business itself with InvestWell, outside clients, prospective clients, like being able to put myself in shoes of others pretty quickly um, has been something that's really helped me personally, professionally, you know, my career and, and, you know, you work with all walks of, of life. Right. And, and, and that's, and and you have to be okay with that. Like I've met people like, Oh, you know, I can't work with this person. And I, I've always been kind of like, I might not like to work with every person, but I can. Like yeah. you throw me in the room and right. I'll figure it out. Right. And, and in, so in the think, right circumstance, I imagine you'd say, Oh, I, I sure wish I had that person today. I wouldn't want to work with them every day, but I sure wish I had them here right now because they would, they would get right. my butt out of the sling right here. Exactly. Right. And there, there, there's a, people have interesting, you know, characters and, and like superpowers. You just have to figure out how to pull out of them. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that that's probably ultimately what's helped me most, right? If I were to draw a line, like would I would I have been in this industry? I don't know. Actually, in the eighth grade, I kind of decided I want to be a stockbroker. That was when I first said, "There you go. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go into finance." Right? I quickly realized I didn't want to be a stockbroker, thankfully. Right? But but um, you know, but I kind of still set that path of like, "Hey, I'm going to go into financial yeah, something." Wall Street and the whole deal. Yeah. yeah. Then that took me into fintech. And then I was able to work with a bunch of um, interesting personalities throughout it all. And, um, yeah, and no, there wasn't even the word fintech when you were in seventh and eighth grade. I mean, no, like, it wasn't even when I had my first fintech job, right? It was financial technology and services. Oh, yeah. And that was it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it's been, it's been fun. But yeah, maybe, maybe that was kind of what carried me. And then I always, I always had the, um, you know, the, the competitive side, right? That's been a, you know, just a staple in my life, right? And, yeah. and and kind of applying that in everything I do. And of course, the athletics will force you to be competitive, or be, or you're gonna have a hard time being good at it. Yeah, yeah, the competitive, yeah, force you to be competitive, force you to be disciplined, be you know, team player, like all of those things. Yeah. Are, Playful are really out, good. all those things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sports is a good place to learn that. That's great. That's great. Well, Aaron, it's been a pleasure today. Uh, thanks so much for for joining us on the show. Um, yeah, all the best for continued great success. Thanks, John. It's great to see you. Always great to chat. Thanks for joining us today. Are you ready to scale? If so, invest three minutes in our scalability index. It's simple, easy, and gives specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com slash scale. All the best.